Welcome to the podcast version of 32 Bar Cut, the show. A series for performers, about performers, made by performers. Every week, we give audition advice, share personal experiences, and sit down with fellow colleagues in the performing arts to chat about their life in the industry. If you are hearing this message, you are not currently a subscriber and will only be hearing the first half of the podcast. If you would like to hear the full interview, including the Curtain Call series, you'll want to head over to 32barcup.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, on to the show. Today we are talking with the Lion King, Stephen Carlyle. And although he plays a villain in the show, he is one of the more lovable and fun-loving people in the company of the Lion King on Broadway. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you very much, Adrian. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited to chat with you. I've gotten a chance to see you a little bit uh, virtually when we've been away from work, and that's always a joy. But I'm glad to have some time just to sit down with you, learn more about you, and uh, have our listeners and viewers learn more about you, too. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So how have you been? What have you been up to? What is life like post being on Broadway eight times a week? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's different, isn't it? It's different in the real world. You yeah. know? I like it. I, well, I don't like it. I miss everybody. I miss the show. I miss, you know, the people. I really miss the people. I miss you. I never Aww. thought I'd change that. But I, but I said it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, no, I do. I really miss everybody. I miss having, you know, all the camaraderie in our principal hallway and everyone else, you know. I love it. Um, but um, what, what's going on out here? You know, um, all these moments that you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to have. You know, like today, beautiful snow. We were mm. out in Central Park sledging or sledding. You know, Dan, and that was glorious. And I never do anything like, that, like anything like that during. You know, when I'm when we're working, because there's always something. You know, either you're in the gym or you're, you know, you're having acupuncture or you're doing something. You know to get on that stage that night, you know. So, um, so I, you know, that's nice. And going out for dinner, you know, when you can, on a Saturday night, you know, rather than we were up in Times Square, you know, because they had opened up a little pop-up, a little Italian pop-up in Times Square. And we were like, I was there right outside the Lion King, where we would on a Friday night, eight o'clock, you know, but it was, should be going up. And we, so it's like bittersweet, bittersweet, you know, you're trying to make the most of it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I can identify with that. I, When we first got the call that we wouldn't be going back to work, I was looking forward to the break. And it's been quite a while, and I feel like I've had to reinvent myself and figure out how to stay busy. But yeah. it's been really great to eat dinner together. Like, Austin and I eat dinner together. We plan our meals, and we've never done that before, except for on Mondays. And then usually, you know, you're too tired, or you're getting acupuncture, or you're getting a, a yeah. massage or something, or you're too scared to do anything like going sledding, because if you get hurt, you're you're messed up. I know. It's like, you know, Emily loves, you know, she loves going ice skating stuff, and I'd never do that when I'm working, because, you know, you crack an ankle that you're done. Um, but now it's like you just do everything. Yeah. Are you a good ice skater? Do you ice skate? No, I mean no. I mean, 
I don't I can't do twirls or anything, but I can stay up and I can go round, but I can only go round going left or round the right hand <laughs> side. I can't actually go the other way. The other way. Oh yeah, but, that makes sense. So you can go you can go counterclockwise or Yes. Well I can cross my feet over to the left, as in my right foot over to the left, but I find it hard going the other way. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think I know enough about ice skating to like quite understand what you're saying i have roller skated i've ice skated twice yeah well and roller skating and you just put your feet over you know yeah. when you're going round a corner yeah rather than going yeah 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 totally <laughs> um so to be brutally honest though i don't ever i don't even now go ice skating i i mean i say i just went ice skating but it's a bit of a lie emily went and i stood on the side with coffee <laughs> and, my, and the dog sugar but you know, she loves it, and I thought I just stayed on the side. You're you're the emotional support on the side, cheering her on. I, but I love skiing, and now this is a great time to be able to ski because you're not allowed to ski when you're working either. You know, because that's yeah. not not insurable. So um, I love skiing. This is a great time. Have you been able to go do that a few times while we've been off? Not yet, but today is the day. We're like, oh, come on, this weekend we must go upstate. We must go skiing. So just to do all those things, get it all out of the way. So when we go back to work, you know, boom, it's all about work. Yeah. At the moment, it's work and pleasure, and that's nice. But um, but when, you, you know, the show opens again, it's really, it's work, work, work. Yeah, it is. It is. I think that we're getting a special treat in that way, that we kind of get to rejuvenate ourselves. And then when we go back yeah. to work, mentally, I feel like we will be ready to go back because we'll appreciate it and, and we'll be excited about going in every day and getting that paycheck, but also just yeah. getting to have the routine again. Um, so yeah, I can, I can identify with that. And also, because you were saying before, you know, we only ever had Mondays and I always felt quite a lot of pressure to have a lot of fun on the Monday, on mm -hmm. your day off, you know, this is when we do this day but it's only one little day. And I just wonder now when we do go back, it's not going to be work, work, work. Things are going to even out slightly and we are going to have, you know, we can adapt, we can, you know, even just reading books now. I've read a ton of books this year, you know, in the, in the year that I've never had, I never thought I had time to do before, but there must be time for, for, you know, work and pleasure, you know, yeah. a, a bit more of a balance. Yeah. That work-life balance. I, I wonder too, because, um, you know, if if you could let our listeners know where you're from um, after after I say this little bit, but I, I I feel like living in an American society, it feels very work driven. And mm -hmm. do you feel do you feel like there's a difference between where you're from and having moved to America? Do you feel like the work life balance is similar or different? <sighs> I don't. Yeah, it's tricky because when I've come here, you know, I've only had like. Completely, I've only had a visa to do the Lion King, so that's all I've been able to do, and it's been wonderful. So I had three and a half years, and my excuses all I do is that show. Whereas if you're in the UK and you can do everything else, you'll be taking like little bits of voiceover or little bits of you know TV or another show. You know, you go and do it whatever on a on your day off. Whereas here, it's like you, I can only, I could only do. So I've really enjoyed, you know, having an excuse not to do anything else. Um, uh, you know, I think, you know, what, what are the differences? Because um, I'm from, so I'm from London. You know, I live in London. That's where I was for like 20 years before I came here because uh, I went to drama school in London. But actually I come from 
um, the West Country, near in between sort of, well, actually just outside of Bath, if you know the city, little city of Bath, very beautiful in the southwest. Um, so it's only about an hour and a half away from London. Yeah. Nowhere is very far away from London, you know. Even Scotland is only like five hours. You get in a car, you could be there in six hours. Wow. The other day I got in a car and I went up to Buffalo and I was still driving in eight, eight hours. I was still driving, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't even, I was still in New York today. Um, whereas in the UK, it's all very close. It makes touring really nice. It's not the same. You know, when you tour in the, U, in the US, you know, you're a flight away. Three hour flight would be the next town, you know. In the UK, you know, you could do 45 minutes would be. I've never flown actually anywhere in the UK. It's bonkers. You know, you get a, but you get in a car, you know, most places are two hours away, two or three hours away. So you can always get back on a Sunday night. So a tour in the UK isn't as daunting as a tour in the US. You know, mm. you don't see your family in the US, I think probably for months and months, where in the UK you would, you would see them every weekend, you know. Yeah. And the West End is different to Broadway, I don't know, because it's so, it's so spaced out, you know. Broadway is like one street and a few, you know, little one road, a few little side streets, you know, full of theatres. And that sense of community that you get from that because you always, you know, you go out and bowl with everybody or you sort of, you know, you go and do your baseball. You know, I've never done any of these things, but that, that's what happens. <laughs> and so there's a real sense of community. But there are all these little bars that everybody goes to. And they all go there, don't they? You know, whereas the UK is slightly different. You know, it's like there might be a bar, you know, when I was in the producers in London, you know, there'd be a bar, pub right opposite the Drury Lane Theatre. But very much the people from the Drury Lane would go there. And, you know, it, a mile away somewhere else, you know, there'd be another theatre, Her Majesty's, and there'd be a bar that everyone goes to from that theatre. So there isn't so much of a, you know, people coming together as much. But, you know, you've been there long with you. You, you do get to know people. Um, and also, can I just say, people don't, people boo you. If you're playing the baddie, which sometimes I do, and I don't get it because, as you said before, I'm adorable. You know, it's, <laughs> it's weird. Um, but if you do the, if you play the baddie in London, people boo you when you come on for the curtain call. Whereas here, they, they don't, they cheer, <laughs> which I found very strange the first curtain call <laughs> I did. So that's um, for our listeners and viewers who, who don't know. You originated the role of Scar. Uh, well, you you got your Lion King debut in the role of Scar in the West yeah. End, right? And oh well, no, no, I actually toured it. In the oh, UK. you toured it first? Yeah, I actually. Oh, okay. I, you're correct. I sort of originated the first tour of the Lion King in the UK. Um, which is pretty special. No, the Lion King been running for oh, maybe fifteen. 18 years there um before or 50 years and then yeah so I toured it and but my yes this was my Broadway debut that was Scar and um what I think is really cool when I uh we started working together uh I think I had been in the show for three months or six months something like that and you came on the scene and I was called into rehearsals and what struck me about your your uh your uh, approach to Scar really is how you take on the physicality. I remember mm -hmm. even without the mask and all of all of the stuff that you have to put on, we were just like in the lobby of the Minskoff and you're crouched and you're putting on, you know, your physicality. How did you discover that for your body and, and how do you approach that and 
keep yourself safe in doing that too. Yes, I don't know. It just came naturally that because I didn't know how to play. It was like the original, the first audition. That's what I went in. I did it like that. You know, I went in. Casting director didn't want to see me for it. She never. She didn't want. She didn't think I was right for Scar, and she was right because the parts I'd always played for her were like you know, viscounty, lordy type of parts. You know, very upper class, straight. You know, non physical, mm. non physical. Very like mm, I'm the lord of this man. You know, and then um, but I didn't think of Scar like that because I'd grown up with the movie. You know, and I'd always seen that. And he was the manky cat. You know, it was all like, you know, everything was like that, you know. And I loved animal studies at drama school as well. And we would, I, I was actually an ostrich, was I? Yeah, I was an ostrich when we did animal <laughs> studies, but I love it, you know. And so, and also I'd never seen the show. And I had said I had. But I had. <laughs> anyway, it didn't matter. Um, and it was a group, it was good that I hadn't seen it because... And I didn't lie because, for just the sake of lying, I, there was lots of reasons. I didn't want to appear that, it's just, I couldn't ever afford it. I couldn't afford to go and pay top price. And it's still top price ticket, you know, in London. I couldn't have, and so there was that. Plus, you know, when it was coming up to it, I didn't want to go and see it because I didn't want to see what other people were doing with the character. So I went in and I sang King Herod's song from Jesus Christ Superstar. And just straight away, I was like, I was like leaning going, you know, Jesus, I am overjoyed to meet you first. And then I was just, and flinging myself about. And then John, you know, John Stephanie, the um, worldwide risk associate, said, um, said, you are Scar, you are Scar, you're Scar, you're so sort of physical. And I was going, oh, yes, yeah, well, good. And then, you know, and then later that week, I was in front of Julie, and um, and I was just doing all this sort of physical stuff. And so, and they thought it was right. And they kept saying it's very unique. And I thought, God, is it? Is that okay? Is that okay? So, you know, but that's that basically watching the film, thinking about mangy, manky old cats. And um, but it's difficult with the costume because you do it in like the rehearsal costume, and there's there's practically nothing. It's just like a, basically a leotard type of you know thing. It's very just a bodysuit. And then you put on the whole costume. And as you know, it's like, it's vast, it's huge. There's bits sticking out of you. It's but So to get that, you know, manky, mangy cat look, because I'm, and it works that I'm sort of very long and thin, you know, all that just, my first age used to say, you know, if, you know, I'd say, well, can I get an audition for that? You know, he said, well, if anyone, if they want somebody tall, skinny with long arms, I'll let you know, oh. you know, and so, you know, <laughs> because that's how it was and you know but then suddenly you know I start started to utilize that physicality you know my long skinniness I mean I'm not that skinny anymore but I'm long and I've still got long arms and long legs so it works as scar but you know with the with the with the big chaps and everything you know I really have to stick out stick my hips out and legs out like this thing. And I try and work with the whole body as well, hold the mask, you know, right up to the mask. And I, you know, I touch that a lot, you know, make the whole, integrate the whole thing into the character. Yeah, I can imagine that. Well, I've seen you do it. So I'm, I'm speaking to you like I don't know. But I'm going to see you one day. <laughs> no, I was going to say I could imagine that that's a lot on your body. Um, because yeah. for me, I find that Nala is a lot on my body. And 
there are things mm. that I did to maintain uh, my spirit, uh, my physical health that I never had done before. Like I started getting weekly foot massages and going to acupuncture and PT mm. and Pilates. And so were there any things that you had to implement into your weekly routine that you mm -hmm. didn't have in your life before just because of the Lion King? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, all of that, you know, all, all the things you've mentioned, I do all that. Never had a foot massage really for it. But, oh, um, you're missing out. New York, is, well, I don't know about right now, but New York is full of them. Yeah. You're missing out. It's really good. Yeah. No, I should. And there's so many on the way. I yeah. Um, you know, the acupuncture, I think, is fabulous. I do like, I'm quite lazy. You know, I need to go to the gym all the time and that makes me feel wonderful. But, you know, it's just motivating myself to do that swimming, you know, and I do do it, but I'd much rather lie on a bed and have <laughs> people stick needles in me, you know, and then do the buzzy thing that they do. And, and that's my form of stretching, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I'm a terrible stretcher. And Lindsay once said to me, are you stretching? And I say yes. When was a when did you stretch last? I said yeah, two weeks ago. I, I <laughs> <You're> <laughs> not to a dancer. <laughs> um, no, I know, but and but I am quite good about stretching, so I I do go in like quite often an hour before I need to and have a real good stretch. Um, but um, yes, you 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 got to, as I said before, you've got to spend a lot of your day, like you know, the gym really helps, you know. If I play tennis, I love tennis, but it's a disaster, you know, for the show. So I can't play. Ever, oh, wow. You know, which is because I do something that suddenly you sort of suck, your shoulder goes out or your neck goes out. You know, my neck used to hurt a lot in the show uh, and now it doesn't. You know, I do sort of you know, lots of different types of stretch to make sure it's strong enough because, you know, the mask isn't that strong, as you know, but, you know, it's the, You've got to whip it. You've got to flick it, you know, fast, mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. And, um, yeah, last time I was with um, Julie Tamar doing an interview, you know, she was, like, manipulating the mask, and she's like, you just got to go slow, 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 and then boom. <laughs> boom. <laughs> you know, was, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, before I got to good. the... Go on. Yeah, it is. It is good. It, it's effective. What you do is really effective. It works. And um, I I realized like before I got to the Lion King, I didn't really have like a lot of aches and things weren't popping. And now like my ankles always pop, my hip pops, my neck pops. And I'm like, oh, I don't think this is going away. This is just who I am yeah. now. <laughs> Yes, I've never been able to click my back. And I used to, couldn't bear hearing it when people did. I thought, oh, God, they're going to break. It's like, this, <laughs> that's going to snap. Now, if like, I would get on the bed and I just roll over and it's like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a <laughs> bit it of a release. Wonderful. Yeah, it feels good. It is, but it must be, you know, it, obviously something's breaking. Yeah, you, you know? <laughs> something is breaking down bit by bit. We don't know. We'll find out when we're 65. Oh, yeah, I know. And then when I first started, I think Ben, you know, Pumba, you know, it's a few days later, he said, has anything broken yet? <laughs> You've done other productions in the West End. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> Yes. Well, when I was 24, okay, when I was uh, maybe 23, I, uh, a few years out of drama school, I was in Phantom of the Opera. Mm. That was the first thing I did in the West End. That's amazing. And I was understudy to um, Andre and um, who else? Lefebvre. Mm -hmm. 
and I was 23. And this is when I was like, I was really skinny, very tall, very long, skinny. Anyway, so it was perfect for that. I did a terrible audition, terrible <laughs> audition. And, um, and I basically forgot everything that I brought, not what they sent me, what I brought. And um, apart from the first song, so I did my first song. And then they asked for another one, and I did Funny from City of Angels. And I went, Funny, da 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 I couldn't remember the, I, I knew it, but then suddenly I was in the theatre and it was all, all the, the bright lights and everything. Anyway, but, but I was so bumbly and like posh, like, oh, oh this is awful, this has never <laughs> happened before. Oh, dear gosh. Anyway, they, but they saw the character in it, which might have been my genius I can't remember if I did it on purpose or what but I knew what the cat you know Andre was or whatever I was like it and then so they said I think he's right for Andre send him the stuff for Andre and I went in I was like word perfect then I was like oh, very on top of it and then I got that and then I was in the producers in London original cast directed by you know Susan Stroman and Mel Brooks wow. with Nathan Lane, Nathan Lane. And I was the lead tenor in that. And I was first cover, Leo Bloom and Roger Debris. And so that was, that was an incredible time. And I was 25, 25, and I was walking. And I bought this little flat and oval and crazy. I mean, I couldn't afford it, but I got a great mortgage advisor. Brilliant. <laughs> probably a criminal but you know and I got this place and so I was like walking to work every day in the West End you know doing this and then I got the um there was a fantastic production of uh, My Fair Lady that was at the National Theatre that was going out on tour and I got Freddie Ainsford Hill in that it was practically all-star cast apart from me there was literally all seven of the principals were very famous um <laughs> you know UK people and um one was Pussy Galore from you know um Goldfinger um, James Bond, oh my God. first James Bonds, and um, Honor Blackman. And um, anyway, they all became great friends, but I was like the only unknown <laughs> person on this tour. It's hilarious. And um, anyway, so there, and the, the last thing I did in the West End was a show called The Go Between. Just before coming out to uh, Broadway, um, I did a show called The Go Between with my idol, my all time idol, Michael Crawford, who was the original um, Phantom of the Opera. In um, in uh, in Phantom, and um, yeah, oh god, that was incredible. And what he was—he's he, my idol because he, um, when we grew up, he was extremely famous in the UK for doing this comedy character on television called um, Frank Spencer in Some Mothers Do Have Them, and it was hilarious. And it was like there was no, there was only four channels on television so you know and there was the itv it was the comedy one and he was on itv and in everyone did his lines at home you know it, it was became you know a long-running thing that people would say in their homes go you say oh betty and like various other things but a great physical comedian and and a sort of a clowny type character and um, and then like 25, 20 years later, I was there working with him on stage. That's amazing. I um I did not know any of this about you, really. I think we've we've spent like, you know, after the show, I might have a drink or something with you and Cameron, and we just chat about what's going on in our lives now. And I really haven't had a mm. chance to learn mm. about your your journey and your early career because you kind of got like the golden ticket. You started out auditioning and it seems like you booked something pretty early on and it was yeah. an amazing something. Did you have 
did you, did it feel it was hard? Uh, no, it did not. No, okay. it was hard. No, <laughs> so I'm curious really about. <laughs> no, very difficult. And that was because I I'd been out of drama school maybe three years or two and a half years, maybe three years, and like nothing happened. Nothing mm. happened. And I always knew that I was quirky. I think that was the thing. I was quirky. I was sort of, you know, and I was good at most things, but not amazing, you know, not really amazing. So, um, so it was difficult. And, um, but I was sort of vaguely entrepreneurial and I came out and I started writing after various things. And I did loads of work for no money, you know, in pubs, pub theatres, doing plays in pub theatres, just trying to get your name about you know, doing all sorts of things. And then eventually you start sort of, you know, getting to know people and making contacts, you know, only with, you know, people I really liked working with. And I, I there was this one thing, I, you know, I auditioned because I knew somebody and he was putting on this little production for the Covent Garden Festival, you know, and it was a thing called um, Follow That Girl um, uh, for Julian Slade. And Julian Slade was a huge um composer of the 1950s you know Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of fame in in the in the UK and um and there he was like 72 and he you know he'd written this thing it was a huge success in the 50s he wrote something called Saladays which was vast in the 50s it was the longest running show of the 50s that and the boyfriend they ran together and um and anyway so I was working with him and doing this little in this little postage stamps that you know stage which wasn't a theater it was just like a big room with long room and all these people came to see it and then you know the next show I did I was in that and I became great friends with Julian Slade and very wonderful wonderful man and who sort of took me under his wing um in a way and I lived with him for a, a, a while in Chelsea and like you know I learned about gin and tonic you know because I really wasn't a drinker and I was just talking about gin and tonic and he was a really kind extraordinary talented lovely man um anyway but I did all these things and so all you know I was doing all this and getting to know people and then I decided to put on my own show called Snoopy the Musical in this tiny theatre in Piccadilly Circus and I said to my great friend um Stuart Piper and we had been actors together for 50 pounds a week you know, which is nothing, 50 pounds a week in this, uh, and I played the dog and he played in, in Space Family Robinson. And um, it was a good production. And um, anyway, so we decided to put on our own show. And I'd been working front of house in this tiny little theatre because I'd been working there as an actor. And then when I wasn't doing that, I'd work front of house. And I'd seen on the board, on the calendar board, that um, the, um, Penny, who ran, runs the theatre, still runs it, said um, it had two weeks free. And I said, could I have them? And she said, yeah. She said, what for? What for? Talks like that. <laughs> or London, what for? And I said, well, I don't know. I think I wanted to do the Fantastics because I did that at drama school. And I played the old actor and I loved it. Anyway, I couldn't get the rights for that. But um, Stuart said, what about the Snoopy the musical? He had done it in a pub theatre in the East End and I could play Snoopy and he would play Linus. And anyway, so we did that and we had a great cast and we did it. And we like got great reviews in London and actually were they great? They said I didn't, I don't, one of them, they were great, big, you know, tele, um, 
you know, a reviewer came and said, um, you know, I can't stand this production. I can't stand oh. Snoopy the Musical, but it is good and they're good. So go and see it. And so everybody <laughs> came to see it. And um, and then we sold out. You know, we sold out. It's only 70 seat theatre, but, you know, it's still you know, right in the heart of London. We sold out. But that sort of got your name about then. Then I got the audition for Fans of the Opera and then the producers. My Lady, it all came from putting on that production, you know. So um, so it was hard, you know. And then I had like three years of really great, solid work, you know, working with Mel Brooks, Nathan Lane, and then all those stars in, the, in My Fair Lady and stuff. And, yeah, they came back and absolutely nothing, you know, for, for quite a long time. Well, what felt a long time was probably three months. Um, but I wasn't used to it, you know, I wasn't used to it. And, um, and um, you know, suddenly when you start, you know, I don't know, being vulgar, earning that sort of money and like that sort of success. And then you start living like that. And so, you know, it's hard to remember, oh, I've got to eat baked beans for a while. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, but then I, I I sort of, I did because I'd bought a flat, I, you know, various commitments. I had, um, you know, I pretty much took anything that was offered. So I stayed in work for quite a long time. And then I just st- started to say no to things. And, um, and that was a really good, there's a lot of power in no, actually, because I normally just say yes to everything. And I started to say no. And um, and then Lion King came up, weirdly. And I had like seven months off, you know, break. Like not doing nothing, but, you know, break. And then Lion King, and it was sort of life-changing because, you know, it brought me to Broadway eventually. No. Was that the answer to your question? I forgot what the question was, but oh no, <laughs> I mean that you yes, you answered the question. That was but, you know, it was difficult. And you know, it was a hustle, you know, those early stages, and even like during and you know, all the things that I did uh in between jobs later on, you know, um, were all things that I learned from an early age, like you know, decorating gardening and things like that. I used to cycle to my, you know, nan's house. In Trowbridge, I don't know, it might, might have been seven miles away from where I lived, through the countryside, and I just help her out with the, you know, her, her garden. And then, you know, my mum owned toning table salons, you know, when I was growing up, where, you know, you, people would lie on these beds and they'd all do different things. One would shake, shake your body about or one would sort of move your legs around like that and you'd have to hold a tennis ball in between your knees and stuff. And it was great sort of exercise for people who didn't want to go out and play tennis or anything. Um, but I, when she was setting up these salons, I'd go and paint them, you know, and I was only eight or 10 or whatever, you know, 12, but, uh, you know, I'd, we'd help decorate and I used to love decorating my room and stuff, you know, after that. Anyway, and singing lessons, I started when I was 16 and, you know, singing now I'm coaching, you know, people in song singing. And so I've had 20 years of experience in singing lessons. Finally, I'm reaping those rewards. <laughs> it wasn't all for nothing. And um, uh, But decorating, I did in between jobs a lot. Sometimes when I was doing a play for not very much money in London, um, I'd be decorating people's houses during the day. Or, you know, I'd have, you know, these people I'd phone up and say, you know, I'm, I can come and do your garden. You know, so I had these, you know, the people I, I do gardens for. So it's incredible. So, you know, whenever people say, what advice do you have? You know, I'd say get some sort of, not profession. I don't want you to go to university and then, you know, do a master's and then PhD and so But just have something 
not to fall back on because it's not like you're giving up. It's just like in between, you've got to have a way of earning money. And restaurants are good. Restaurants are good. But I never wanted to be surrounded by people. <laughs> and I didn't want to be a, you know, and I, I did work in restaurants, you know, a lot, but I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it. No, it's really stressful too. If you're in a busy restaurant, uh, you have to learn yeah. the menu. Um, you have to yeah. learn the art of how long, you know, what, what does your table need? Do they want you to, yeah. do they want you yeah. to hover? Do they want you to leave them alone? Like, I don't think yeah. that I, was a great server. Uh, I think it definitely depended on my mood that day, if I was hitting mm. the mark or not. And mm. I, I found myself dreading going in. Um, but I think what's really great about having to interview for jobs like that is uh, figuring out your people skills, you know, and figuring yeah. out how to talk to different types of people and, um, just working on your interview skills and being upfront and honest, you know, cause I would find that it was always better in the interview to say, Hey, you know, I really am a good work. I'm a good worker. I say that now I'm a terrible server, but no, I was like, yeah. I, I feel like I'm going to be an asset to you, but you should know that my main goal is this, yes. that my main goal is acting. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I will need some flexibility there, but when I'm here, yeah. you've got me, you know, and that yeah. seemed to work. And then people hire you and they're not, confused when you're like trying to mm -hmm. find someone to take your shift so that you can go to an audition that morning or something like that but yeah it is it's, a yes. challenge well you, you're very good because when I was there you know I worked in this I mean lots of restaurants but this one in Richmond I worked with just after drama school and we were living in Richmond um and uh there was this great restaurant on the river beautiful beautiful and um I, don't, I was never very good because I was like, no, I'm an actor. I don't do this. Although <laughs> I was there for a long time. But, you know, I, but I'd never really looked at the. I knew I, you know, we went to the, you, you get to learn about the foods and the stuff and the site, but I'd never really took it in. And uh, my one of my first days as a waiter, I came out, you know, there's gazpacho, you know, on the thing, you know, and uh, I, I bring it out and I give it to this table of six, you know, and this guy says, takes one sip and I guess this my soup's cold and I was like oh I'm so sorry <laughs> and, I, and I picked it up and I took it back and the, the yeah and they explained in the kitchen though this bacio is cold soup you know and I came back and they're all laughing at me they're all laughing oh, I, no. I really must pay a bit more attention to <laughs> that happened but to I, me too I I, I was yeah. I was waiting tables at a an Italian restaurant and I hadn't grown up with a lot of Italian food I didn't know much of the different names for the sauces and what they were supposed to look like and this one table had ordered a cabanara and the kitchen got it wrong and I didn't know. So he told me this was the, you know, the order. So I brought it out and it was a red sauce. And I set yeah. it down and she was like, I ordered the carbonara. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And I, I just, I didn't know because I, I didn't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and now I know. I'll never forget what it's supposed to look like. But it's interesting when you're not really uh, passionate about something, but you're still, you still have to do it to survive that you just make it work and, yes. and you have those blunders and you learn from it. But I mean, waiting tables is a great way to study people too. You have all different walks of it's life great. walking and in. It's your audience, you know, it's your audience. You mm -hmm. go out on the Lion King stage, you know, it's the same, it's the same people, you know, and uh, it is a great way. And I was always very good at apologizing. Yeah. Like I was, I'm a great apologizer, you know, <laughs> whatever it's for. I mean, my marriage, Emily would say, yeah, 
I just apologize for it. <laughs> for an easy life. <laughs> and uh, but they were very like my the managers would say, um, oh, could you go and apologize for it? Because there's some delay or something, and I'll just go over and say, I am terribly sorry. I am <laughs> so we're having such a yeah, and whatever it was. And they would always like just to appease the situation, you know. Yeah, it can and fix a lot of things. <laughs> we just like I just saying sorry is like very easy. You do? And, no, no, no. I'm just saying apologizing is just, it's not, it, it calms everything down. One mm. time I was dry, I was cycling from my flat in London up Park Lane and um, I undercut somebody on their bicycle. He was sort of far out, but I undercut him. Now that was a very bad thing to do, you know, not even, even in retrospect. As I did it, I thought, this is a bad thing, so I should do this. But anyway, he was going slowly, and I went up there. <laughs> I didn't want to go out there with the buses, so I went under. And he started shouting at me, shut you, oh, oh, saying all this stuff, saying all this stuff. And I thought, oh, God, that was a bad thing to do. And I got up to the top, and he, he went past me. I stopped at some lights. He went past me, and he was shouting, and I just said, I'm really sorry. And he just, he went, oh, Okay. <laughs> so easy to do just apologize especially if you're wrong okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna take that with me because i i actually find it really difficult to apologize sometimes i don't know i'm just think maybe i'm too proud or stubborn to uh to give whoever deserves the apology that and I, I'm working through it, but like, what? even with, you know, <laughs> it's with a lifetime mission, works through. Yeah, <laughs> with having Austin as uh, as my husband, but also a music director in the business, and having to rely on him sometimes for auditions and things, we have gotten into it, you know, mm-hmm. and um, we've had to learn what that balance is like as a couple, but also. Uh, working in the same field and wanting to offer each other advice and, and everything. And I know that mm. Emily is a director. So yes. You yes. have this director actor relationship. What is it like to, um, to, to live with someone mm. who, who is in a directorship position and, you know, mm. when you're doing like self tapes or anything like that, what is that like? Mm. Well, it is great. Because I've never really liked being with other actors, mm. you know. But a director is a good is a good balance because one they understand yeah, it's the same with you and Austin. They understand, you know, that your main passion is is work. You know, where you've got to work. It's all about the work, them and the work. You know, it's yeah. really really important. And the balance, you know, you're out late, you're home late. You know. You're you go to bed late, you know, the workouts, that's all brilliant. And she is, because she's very brilliant. She's very brilliant, so intellectual, so clever. And um, so, you know, when, you know, it's all about, I've discovered, um, you know, as and when you want the help. So, you know, I know what I'm going to get. So if I ask, you know, I've got to want to know the answer. (laughs) Yeah. You know, otherwise I don't ask. If I don't want the answer, because I know, you know, I know she's going to give me great help. Yeah. And um, and it means, you know, oh, I'm going to have to record that again then <laughs> or, <laughs> or just send it out like that, you know, <laughs> you know. But if I go through lines with her, she's just brilliant. She's brilliant because she'll read a scene 
she'll know everything about it. She'll know, she'll always say, I'll read it. I said, oh, yeah, I won't, yeah, I barely thought anything about it apart from others. That was, that was funny. But she'll see so many things in it that I haven't seen. Uh, so that's brilliant. That is extremely useful. And she just knows about stuff. So, you know, you know, if I have a Castaccio moment, she'll <laughs> pull me up on it and say, you know, before I'm out there next to the table, you know, it's before I'm there, she'll say, by the way, remember, the soup's cold, you know. <laughs> and so, I've, it's, you know, it's brilliant. It's, it's actually brilliant. I've, it's the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> I would have to agree with you. I feel like it um even though we've had our our bumps along the way with navigating uh what our our work and and life relationship is and how they flow together. Mm-hmm. I I find I mean and it's not just cuz he's sitting right here, but I do find that Austin is an asset when it comes to my career and having someone yeah. I can really uh <laughs> ask for advice and I can, you know, push ideas off on him and get his thoughts on that. And, you know, even down to like what I might choose to wear to an audition. I'm like, what do you think of this? You know, this character's this way. What do you think? You know? And it's good because I have in the past had relationships with folks who are outside of this world that we're in. And it's, it can be a struggle because they don't understand the lifestyle or they don't understand that, you know, you're either, you're either all in or you're Uh not, you can't do it, you know? And so if you have a partner that understands that and how dramatic that can be sometimes, it's it's yeah. an asset for sure. And it really helps when they're, you know, and Austin's so successful. You know, he's brilliant. What a, you know, he's a genius. And the same, you know, Emily's brilliant. So it, it does help that they are, you know, very, very talented. That is true. That is true. Because the flip side of that is, not to say you're with someone that isn't talented, but maybe someone that's still mm. waiting for their moment. It can be yes, can you've be got difficult. to sort of respect them, you yeah. know, to 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 you know to get that um, get the notes that you don't really want, and then yeah. you get them and say, oh uh, yes, you're absolutely right. About that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good lesson. That's a good lesson. So um, we are winding down a bit, but I know you've been doing quite a few things online. There's quite a few places people can find you would you like to tell us what you're up to and how we can find you uh during this uh this pause from broadway yes the pause. um well i've been working quite a lot i've been doing these sessions on airbnb oh yeah i've become an airbnb experience um this happened in, in december and i had a wonderful december so busy with all these corporations and like and then singularly people come on and for private events, you know, have, might have 10 people. And we like, I give people a warm up and we talk about the West End and Broadway. And then we sing through a couple of, you know, either my favourite songs or their favourite songs. And it's been incredible. And I've loved every single minute of it. Um, so that's one way. One, And I sort of pepper it with the anecdotes, of, <laughs> you know, all sorts of things that have happened. Um, so there's there's that. I've been coaching one-on-one, lots of lovely singers um, across the world. The great thing about, you know, the internet and the Zoom is like I see people from, you know, China and Japan and California and the UK. It's, you know, it's, it's marvellous. 
That's amazing. So can people reach you? Should we find you on Instagram or how do people find you on uh, to do oh, private yes. coaching? Yes. Instagram at Carlisle1, C-A-R-L-I-L-E. Or you can email me at my production company email. Do you want that? Should I say that out loud? Um, or write it down? It's up, it's up to you. Is it public or do you want to keep that to yourself? Well, I want people to phone up and say, I want a one-on-one. Yeah, one on then one. go ahead. So, Tell us. We'll drop so it, it in. Well, it's Carlisle Productions, Inc. at gmail.com. Lovely. Or they can go to Airbnb and maybe we'll drop that down if that's okay. Yeah. So I don't know what the link is. Okay, a- we'll drop that a- in a- for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, a- and that's I, that's a really fun, like, session that we can have. And, and they're always completely different. I've got this sort of formula of we warm up, we sing, Q&A, that sort of thing. Or we can have like a mini concert type of thing. And we'll, I'll just sing at you, you know, if it's your birthday or something. We'll just sing your favorite songs. And you can sing. Oh, I love that. And sure. I can I can attest that Stephen, even virtually, is a phenomenal performer and very, very, <sighs> very entertaining. Adrian. <laughs> So kind. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not remind the best you liar. Of that when we're back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I we're have to. Well, see, I can be kind to you now because we're off from work. But right when we're back at work, I'm going to treat you the same as ever. We're back to normal. Okay. <laughs> I missed that, Adrian. <laughs> I know I'm up. much saucier at work than I am when we're on this break. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay. I've so, noticed you've got life's not fair, is it? Yeah. I, you know what? I always do a quote back here just to see if our guest no. can uh, notices that it's you know something to do with them in some way. So I thought what that was a lovely a good quote. touch. What a lovely touch. <laughs> Um, so we're getting into the stage door round. I'm going to ask you a few questions and you just, you know, answer whatever comes to mind. It doesn't matter what you say. It can be a long answer, short answer, uh, but there'll be just more direct questions and not so much a conversation. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So what is your favorite thing to do in New York City so far? Walking around. Um, walking around um, Central Park and feeding the birds. You feed the birds? Love it. Love it. What did you bring? Bird seed or bits of yes. bread? A bird seed? Nice. Bird seed. And now, I don't know if it's a good thing to do, but sort of this new trend and everybody's doing it. It's wonderful. And the birds come and eat out of your hand. You know, the little, what do they call mouse? The mice. Adrian and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the show thus far. If you'd like to hear the full interview and get access to the curtain call, head on over to 32barcut.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video collection and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.